You're listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, a place where child life professionals share their real and honest stories with host and certified child life specialist, Allie Jones. Imagine the threat of losing your most prized possession. Imagine your life coming to a screeching halt. Imagine all of this and more completely alone. This can be the all too familiar reality for parents of hospitalized children. For one certified child life specialist, the need among parents was so great that she stepped out as an advocate for them by creating a podcast. In this week's episode, certified child life specialist and child life on-call podcast creator, Katie Taylor, goes from host to guest as she shares her stories from the other end of the microphone. Hear her own experience managing the stress of a child life job and learn about her passion for supporting parents through podcasting. Now, here's this week's Honest Story. All right. Hello, hello to our Child Life Cooperative listeners. This is Allie Jones, and I am so excited to have a new guest on the Child Life Cooperative podcast. And you may have even heard this voice of the Child Life Cooperative guest before. Would you like to say your name? Katie Taylor. Oh, hi, Katie Taylor. Hi. So tell us, um, how, how would we recognize your voice in this Child Life field? So I am the huge radio personality from 106.1 Kiss Up. No, I'm just kidding. I am the host of the Child Life On Call podcast. So Allie and I are both podcasters in this child life field. Woohoo. So excited to connect with you today and um, to hear more kind of from you. You do so much listening and asking such thoughtful questions on your podcast. And I'm excited to have you as a guest today to share more of your story. And just for our listeners, too, that may be unfamiliar with Child Life on Call, could you kind of give a quick summary of what your podcast does? Sure, definitely. My um, podcast is geared towards parents um, finding connection with one another through storytelling of what they have been through with their child who either has an illness or has had some sort of medical experience We've done everything from broken bones to encephalitis and um, everywhere in between tonsil surgery. Um, And then here or there, I will have a child life specialist kind of come on and give a little bit of expertise about what they do uh, in those situations. So um, basically, it's it's a podcast for parents um, to find a community with one another. Mm, That is so valuable, Katie. I'm kind of curious how you even got the idea. Would you mind sharing a little a little bit of background on how Child Life on Call came to be? Yeah, of course. So um, in 2015, I gave birth to my son, Wesley. Um, He just turned three this past weekend. But um, when I was preparing to go through childbirth, I listened to a lot of birthing podcasts. And what I found was that like, I didn't care what their story was. I just wanted to hear it so that I could either picture what mine was going to be like, or find some similarities into what they thought and what I thought. And so I was, I'm working at a small children's hospital within an adult hospital. Mm-hmm. And because of that, my parents don't get to kind of have those bagels and talk in the playroom and we don't get to do a whole lot of that coffee talk type stuff you can do in a bigger hospital to connect parents and I was just sitting with um, a brand new mom and she was just crying and holding her baby and she said to me when I was with her she said I just wish I knew someone else who had gone through this experience and Mm -hmm. it 
it kind of came to me um, that, you know, when you're in the hospital with your child, there is so much going on. And sometimes the last thing you want to do is go out and meet and talk to people. But podcasts are such a passive way to find connection and that you don't have to do a darn thing. And mm-hmm. if you need to pause and get up and walk away, you can do that. If you, if it's too much and you want to fast forward, you can do that. If you don't like the intro, you can fast forward through that. So there are just so many opportunities for you to connect with the world without having to do a lot. And I feel like I could just picture a parent in a in a rocking chair having the earbuds in holding her sweet baby but being able to hear another parent who had gone through that situation so that's kind of where I got the idea um Mm. I have no idea how to podcast or what to do so I watched YouTube videos and just bought a microphone actually my mom got me one for Christmas and let me borrow her computer and I kind of just tried to figure it out from the ground up Wow, that is incredible. It's neat that you were able to identify such a valuable need, like, and just see the way that you personally found connections in that way of hearing people's stories and wanted to create that platform for others to really have something so quickly accessible for that support. That's amazing. And then also your courage to to kind of pioneer this without knowing a whole lot. Did you have a lot of support from your colleagues and from people around you when you started telling them about this idea? You know, it. I feel like podcasts have kind of grown a lot in the past few years, and I'm kind of somebody who has, like, tried blogging, tried doing this. Like, I, I love connecting with people, so I'm not going to say people were surprised, um, but so far the support has been amazing, like, my dad is my number one fan. <laughs> He'll send it out on like an email listserv to all of our friends and family. Um, of course, I had to have support from my husband because I have to spend, you know, hours here in this little closet studio of mine. Um, so the support has been really, really great. And then from parents that I have got, had the honor of interviewing, um, they found a lot of value in it too. And that's 100% the purpose of it. That's so neat. How do you get connected to these parents usually? To be honest, um, the first season was a lot of friends of friends of mine um, reaching out to people via Facebook. Um, I'm not at all going to interview anyone that I come in contact with at my hospital. Um, And the reason of that is like completely conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. I never want to feel like they have to tell their story in a certain way. Or if there was a family that I didn't interview, why wouldn't I interview them? So um, from the beginning, that's just been off limits for me. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, now it's word of mouth and social media. That's awesome. And and you've gained quite the following too. now having two seasons under your belt. What sort of ways have you seen the podcast develop and grow and any, you know, meaningful stories that have come from these two seasons that you've done so far? Sure. I'll I'll say a couple things. Um, I think one is just that I didn't really anticipate the child life student population, um, gaining so much insight from these podcasts, but they really have. Um, and that's been one of my favorite things as far as growth has been, because, um, as a child life student, you just, you just want to learn. You just want to hear from parents. You just want to know everything you possibly can before you get thrown to the field or into your internship. Um, so they've really responded well to the podcast, which is really great. Um, 
the other part, which I really like, is we've had parents from kind of all over the country want to share their stories. And a lot of it has been here in Texas just because that's where I'm from and that's where my network is. Um, mm-hmm. But we've had a family in D.C., a family in Philly. Um, and I and I like that it's kind of getting out all over the place Um one of the things I've really learned from this podcast is that parents are finding connection with other parents regardless of diagnosis. So mm-hmm. your child can have this diagnosis and then you can completely relate to a mom with another. Um, it's kind of just this community that's growing and it, it doesn't have to be diagnosis specific. Mm-hmm. That is really neat that it's it's networking beyond just a certain s- smaller circle. That is really cool. Yeah. Something that um, I've listened to several of your podcasts and have been so impressed just with the quality, but I also am impressed, Katie, by your ability to unlock people's stories and to have these really lengthy sessions with these parents to just help them process, um, which I would imagine is such a valuable child life skill, too. How do you kind of go about asking questions and, and helping people open up and share their experiences? I think it's just, uh, thank you. Um, I think it's just experience in the hospital and having been in the field for a while. And I think one of the biggest things we do as child life specialists is active listening and being a support person. And sometimes that doesn't take a whole lot of, um, I hate to say work, but it's kind of something, it's just a skill that you'll, you'll learn to do as you spend time in the field. Um, and I think what I, what's most important is that I'm really passionate about child life specialists and what we do. Mm-hmm. And I, I want parents to feel supported. So any questions that I ask is, are completely, I just, I just want to hear their story. Um, and also reassure them about what an amazing strong person they are for having gone through and then sharing it. Um, so I'm completely amazed and really they make it, they make it easy on me. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really neat to see the way that I think, I think a lot of times child life specialists can say that, that, um, people from the outside looking in can think child life specialists are so amazing, but yet we feel so humbled and blessed to be working with the people that we're working with, um, that they are really true inspiration, which is really neat. Has this podcast doing this and asking these different questions of these families, has it changed or influenced the way that you interact with parents at work at the hospital? I don't think that it really has. Um, I feel like I've kind of always practiced this active listening, asking questions um, in my practice. So um, that hasn't changed, but I will say that um, I've kind of evolved as far as the interviewing and um, being more of a listener rather than trying to guide a story or an experience a certain way. I feel like maybe I've grown more on the interviewer side than the actual child life specialist side. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's a very valuable skill and something actually not to switch gears too much. Cause I feel like I have so many questions about your podcast, but I am really curious. So something I um, have been having my new guests do is send me their resume so I can get kind of a sense of their other experiences that they have. And I couldn't help but noticing or notice that you have some different marketing traces in your resume. Could you share a little bit about that kind of experience that you have with marketing? 
Yes, absolutely. So um, I am not the typical child life specialist in how I got into the field. Um, I know that's changing because requirements are changing now. Um, but really what I love about my background is that it's not really child life specific. Um, and I feel like I can bring things to the table um, just that are a little bit different. Um, so one of those is, you know, I went to Penn State um, and graduated with communications. And uh, one of my first jobs out of school was um, I was an outreach coordinator for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm. At that point, I didn't exactly know I wanted to be a child life specialist, but I knew I wanted to work with kids who had experienced trauma in some way. Um, and in that role, I was able to gain a lot of presentation experience. I was developing relationships with law enforcement and educators, um, and then I would try to market that material that was geared towards children to them. So I got to learn a lot in that. Mm. Um, and so what that's been able to do is just kind of prepare me um, to market the Child Life On Call podcast and then also to market child life materials within our hospital to our multidisciplinary team. So when we come to a presentation, I try to make them look as great as possible. I try to yeah. have, um, we've got like an IV start uh, type brochure that we hang in our bathrooms and all over the place. So I just try to bring those little things into the podcast, but also into my practice. That is so fascinating. What a handy skill and like something that I don't think <laughs> it just it just sounds so unique. Do you have like any secret yeah, secrets? I yes. sure do. Like, can you share with us? Yeah, so if you um, are interested in marketing at all, my, one of my favorite tools is a website called Canva. It's just C-A-N-V-A dot com. And you do not have to be a graphic designer. It is plug and play. And you can create beautiful materials with exactly what you want. So that's what we've done for our presentations. It's what we've done for any kind of IV or whatever kind of teaching we want to do within our hospital. It's what I use for the Child Life on Call podcast. Um, that's definitely my favorite tool. Ooh, that's awesome. Everyone write that down, Canva. And actually, I have used it myself, and it is so user-friendly, like you were saying, and yes. can make you feel like just such a baller, like exactly. creating these things. So that's awesome. What about um, as far as communicating child life or like, you know, just kind of that piece of marketing it to other professionals? Are there any, any valuable tips on how you communicate what child life does or any successes that you've experienced um, in uh, within the hospital yeah um you'll hear this a lot I'm sure um but presence is just the biggest marketing tool that we have um mm. not hiding in your office not um charting in your office um always being present wherever the nurse's station is is your biggest marketing tool being present for x-ray that you know is going to go really well being present um just you know at bedside report like just being there is is your best tool mm, that's really good advice on the flip side why do you think some child life specialists may not do that like just to I don't know do you have any thoughts about that totally um I think we have to give a lot and I think we can feel differently than a lot of other healthcare professionals. So it's easy to want to retreat and just maybe have, you know, 
I've been in a couple different hospital settings. One was an office with eight different child life specialists. And now I'm in a situation where I'm the only child life specialist there for the majority of the time. Mm. So I think it can be easy if you're in an office with a lot of other people to want to go back and share stories. And then, you know, it's kind of your safe place and Mm -hmm. it should definitely be used that way. But um, if you feel like you're not being used uh, in a way that you should be, just walk your butt on out to the to the nurse's station and just be there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really good advice, Katie, because I think I think like you said, there's so many different reasons, but I think it can be really easy to withdraw into that safe haven too much to the point where we're not, yeah, not utilizing the, the space the way that it should be. So that's great, a great piece of advice. What about for you now? So you, um, have this podcast. You also just welcomed your second little baby, right? I did. Congratulations. Thank you. We like her a lot. Oh, that's so sweet. That is so awesome. (laughs) So you have a boy and a girl. Is that right? I do. Check, check. We're done. Oh, very nice. That's awesome. Very sweet. But what's it like balancing all of this, being a mom at home, but also being a mom working in the hospital and having a podcast? How do you balance? Uh, For one, I'm part-time, which is wonderful. Um, So I can have time in the hospital, but also be home a little bit. So that's just worked out really great. Um, I think... I became a better child life specialist when I became a mom, and I think it's just a level of empathy with the parents, which is probably why I started this podcast for parents um, that I didn't have before, and not to say that if you're not a mom that you can't be a good child life specialist, because that's just simply not true, um, but for me, I... I felt like things changed and I thought it could go one of two ways. I feel like I could either get back into the hospital and not be able to emotionally handle it. Like it would have been too hard. Um, or I could go back in and it could kind of ignite this fire. And I think what happened is the igniting the fire. So I was Mm -hmm. very, very happy about that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's really, really neat. What sort of, igniting of the fire would you say happen like could you go into that a little deeper and what things you start to notice I think uh gaining confidence um for example say I'm with a parent in the trauma bay and I don't really know what my place is because the child is they intubated and there's not a sibling um but just my presence next to that parent um with my hand on their shoulder holding a glass of water or a tissue box, I, I find the value in that now because if I were a mom sitting there in that same chair watching my baby, I feel like having a person that I can just look at and tell them what I need or just have them be right next to me is, is worth a lot. And mm-hmm. so maybe smaller things like that, if I hadn't been a mom, I don't know if I would have, I maybe would be second guessing. Should I be doing this? Should I be standing back farther? Should I, you know, and I think now I've just kind of got this confidence. Um, what would I want? And so I try to reciprocate that. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. It kind of makes me think of this. The word that came to my mind again was presence, like being present on the unit for marketing standpoint, but also being present for these families and just being physically there with them and available, emotionally available to them. That's, that's something to not underestimate for sure. Sure. Have there been any 
challenges that have come up being like just managing all these different roles? Like, have you had, um, I don't know, any like days that make it especially challenging being a mom? Oh gosh. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Surprise. Um, so right before, um, I, I was very pregnant with Cameron, very obviously pregnant, um, a few months ago and we just, we had a really tough week at the hospital we had three deaths within a week Mm -hmm. and I was present for two of them and I like I mentioned I'm the only child life specialist in the hospital so um, I have a great care team that I work with and a social worker and a chaplain that are all present there Um, but each of the moms um, as they left grabbed my belly and gave me sort of a sentiment like you never know when this can get taken away from you. And it just, it broke me. And I was, I I really can hold it together pretty well. Um, And I, and I think I did in front of them, but I just walked back to my staff and just, and just lost it. And I hadn't ever done that before, but Mm. um, I think it's that whole putting yourself in their shoes and, and those situations seem to be the hardest. Wow. That has got to be so difficult to, I mean, I think as child life specialists, we work really hard to not project ourselves into those situations, but then to forcibly project it into it without sure. even your prompting. I mean, that, that sounds so difficult, Katie. It really just kind of made me think, like, why why do I get to be the lucky one with this mm-hmm. healthy mm-hmm. baby inside of me? You know, like, why? It just, the world starts to not make a whole lot of sense in, mm-hmm. in our job sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just really kind of clung to me when it happened. How did you, I don't think recover is necessarily the right word, but how did you process that and move forward? I think. Um, just going to people on my staff and, you know, the physician that I was working with is also a mom and just had a baby. And so we just hugged and cried. And, um, I think it's just allowing yourself to be human and not thinking that we have to not project emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we tell parents all the time, show your emotions to your kids because that's how they're going to learn. And they want to see that you're human too. And I think as child life specialists, we can go too far the other way because we don't want to make them feel bad. But there, there's something about that human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's okay to cry sometimes. You know, we tell parents that all the time, but it's, it's kind of the same for us too. Yeah. That's a really, I'm, I'm glad that you're saying that because I think for our listeners and even for me, that's just such a helpful reminder of kind of the balance that we need to try to strike that varies, I'm sure, from patient to patient and experience to experience, but um, to not get to a point where we're not feeling anything or acting right. unfazed by these horrific things, but then at the same time also recognizing what's in our circle of control um, and also appreciating the blessings that we do have in several ways and moving forward and not walking in shame of that, but being very grateful for that too. And and Mm -hmm. taking advantage of each blessing that we have. So, um, it's, it's true. We, we work in a war zone mm -hmm. and I had just had a nurse, a a friend of mine say that to me last week. And we were talking about just bringing families into the NICU and what a war zone that is. And we are so desensitized sometimes because, um, you know, Charlie specialists, we're acutely aware of, of where we work, but with ourselves, we don't allow ourselves to process it all the time. You know, mm-hmm. we expect that we just have to deal with it, but every once in a while it, it's okay to break. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love to hear that even being the one child life specialist in the hospital that you've been able to rely on different team members that may not serve in the same capacity as you, but also are in a similar war zone to help carry that load when you are feeling burdened. So that's amazing. Now I'm, I am curious. We, um, we are starting this new little segment called what would you do? So in this segment of what would you do? I have a little scenario question for you and I'd love to hear you process it. If you feel up for the challenge, let's do it. Okay. So you are a brand new child life specialist on a unit. Well, Okay, you're Katie, you're a seasoned, wonderful child life specialist, but you are new to the hospital on a unit that is unfamiliar with child life. However, you quickly realize that your predecessor had a very different way of doing things. Her primary service to the unit? Babysitting siblings and dropping off toys. So staff is resistant to your child life interventions of procedural preparation and support in therapeutic activities. What would you do? question mm-hmm. um, I think a couple different things um, one is to not um, badmouth or maybe degrade what the previous child life specialist had done because that will only get you into kind of this arena of people thinking that you could throw them under the bus one day. (laughs) So although you may feel very differently, strongly different about um, what their practice was, um, you know, I think it's important to stay away from that. Um, I think it's okay to listen because I I bet you'll hear some feedback um, that you may agree with. So I think it's okay to kind of stay neutral in that. Um, you know, not agree and say defend, but to stay neutral. Mm. Um, and then I think it's going to be a slow transition. So, you know, with every request, you have an opportunity. So would you mind sitting with this sibling while we do the IV, you know, it's okay to say, I actually, I would mind, um, I'm going to get the sibling something to do while they're outside the room, but it's really important that I'm next to the patient who is going to go through this experience. And, um, I can see why you would want me to do that, but this is where my priority is and you don't have to be mean. And I think they'll find that you being in the room is actually helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's just all about taking it slowly and educating for over educating for what you do, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just saying, Nope, I'm going to be in here. I don't babysit. That's, mm-hmm. that's not a great answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's showing them in so many ways, like modeling for them and giving kind of that evidence-based support in some ways when needed. Um, and I love your first point of just staying neutral and really seeking to build trust and being mindful of your speech. I just think that is such valuable insight that we all can learn no matter if we're placed in, unfortunately, the scenario or not. Yes. <laughs> but well said, well said. And um, I just appreciate your thoughts so much, Katie, but we have to conclude. We're already running out of time, which is insane. It went um, too fast. I know, but we have to conclude with our rapid five segment. Are you okay. familiar with our rapid five? Yes. Welcome to the Rapid Five. Five quick, brief answers. Number one, 
What is one routine you do with your kids that you love? We sing a song and uh, the song has like a hand thing that goes on her back on his back and it just makes him laugh and it's it's my favorite thing. Oh, I love that. That is so awesome. Seeing your kids laugh is such a joy. Number two, what is one of the biggest pieces of advice parents have taught you throughout your Child Life On Call podcast? I realize this could be almost an impossible question to answer in a rapid five way, but I'm curious, (laughs) some piece of advice or anything that, any big takeaways from your parents? Regardless of what the diagnosis or the scenario is, you can really find common ground with anyone who um, has gone through anything with a similar experience with their child because we all have that one we all we all love our kids we all want them to be healthy and you can really find common ground there Mm, that's awesome katie that is so neat that you're showing that throughout your podcast too number three what is one thing you tell yourself when a child life intervention didn't go as planned good one um I guess I try to do some self-examination. Why didn't that happen well? What could I have done differently? Um, because I really, I, I want to be successful and I, it's easy to get down on yourself. So I think it's just reflection um, and, and really taking a hard look at, at why it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that can lead to a lot of growth by doing that. Um, num- and, and also, I love how reflection is very different than... Um, criticism you know exactly being very very fair to yourself and gracious in a in a learning sort of way because the truth is you're doing the best you can in that moment with what you have um and it's really only until you look back and can you see a little bit more Mm -hmm. absolutely number four what is one thing listeners can look forward to for the child life on call podcast this next season are you planning a third season Definitely. Um, whenever I get the time, which is, it's unfortunately, I wanted it to have it by the end of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I think listeners can look forward to um, more stories from parents. And I'm going to try to get more child life specialists in the field, maybe at the end of episodes to, to give a little bit of child life insight. Um, love I, I love giving my own insight, but I get really tired of hearing myself. Well, I think that is an awesome goal and so exciting. And just to conclude too, with our rapid five, number five, why is it so important listeners rate and review podcasts, Katie? Because people do not know we exist unless you review or rate. Like there is, it's hard to reach an audience if there's no feedback. So it just, it's so important. So rate the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, people just do it. Awesome. And I also, thank you for that plug, Katie. And I also want to challenge our listeners right now. As we're wrapping up, you can totally do this, guys. You can stop right now. Go to Child Life On Call. You can look at it up on iTunes and rate and review it so that we can get Katie that following and consider doing it for the Child Life Cooperative as well. Um, Us podcasters, we'd love to share our our work with more more listeners as well. So, um, Katie, I can't thank you enough for your heart for the child life field, for your passion to, to really encourage families and to encourage students and professionals. And I appreciate you coming on to the Child Life Cooperative podcast too, in the midst of thank everything you. going on. 
Oh, I feel so lucky to be a part of it. So thank you for interviewing me. And it was really hard to, to be the, the interviewee, the guest. Is that what I am? Yes, you it's are hard. Oh, you're so wonderful. Prop, props to all the guests out there. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in again this week. Rate and review. And in the meantime, may we all lean into the, the mission of the Child Life Cooperative by learning through reflection, uniting for support, and equipping students. Thank you, Katie, and thank you guys so much. Till next time.